titled the, the message, What Are You Tolerating? What Are You Tolerating? And I, um, we talked just a few minutes here during, during the worship time about, uh, you know, God's grace and how much he, he loves us and that he also um, doesn't, he loves us enough to not keep us where we're at. And so that, that's kind of, kind of the theme here. When we go into 1 Corinthians 5, we see just a, a, an incredible amount of sin that this church is dealing with. And it, it, uh, it causes us to look at ourselves. There's, there's multiple places. In, first of all, it'll be interesting as we look at this that this is a New Testament church. There's all kinds of, of things in the Bible where we're like, anyone ever read the Bible and you're like, well, that's the Old Testament. You know what I'm saying? You're like, well, you know, the fire coming down and consuming everybody. That's Old Testament, right? But there are some New Testament indications that God still is serious about sin. Would you guys agree? Um, You know, like, for instance, in Acts, you have Ananias and Sapphira. And I don't know how you um, uh, interpret that. But I'll tell you what, they, um, uh, they lied to God. They come in. And if you've ever read that story in Acts, um, they both died. In God's presence. And I'm like, well, that was just a one-off. That was just a kind of a one-off story. And then and you come to, uh, to like Book of Revelation. We'll talk here in a minute. And, and there's like seven letters to seven churches. And, and Jesus, through the Apostle John, is writing these, these letters. And, and he's saying, hey, you've got these good things going for you. But I, how many of you have read those? He says, but I hold this against you. And he, and he says some, some crazy stuff. We'll talk about one of them today. Uh, and then we've got like First Corinthians and in this, and, and there's some pretty heavy stuff here. And and then there was a um, I, I don't know. There's some other churches like Ephesus and other places where where you're just like he doesn't. It's like God doesn't ignore it. But this is what he does. Any of you like you you tend to be like a real black and white person. You, you can raise your hand if you want. Yeah, you're just like this is right and this is wrong. You know. Any of you tend to be more like a like a let's all get along a little bit more grace type type. You know whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me. That's me. And, and it's like God has, has both. If you, if, if you emphasize one, you're wrong. And if you emphasize the other, you're wrong. You've got to emphasize both. Thanks, Keith. I appreciate it. That'll help me preach better today. And so uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, um, if, you're, if you're a guest with us, or if this is the first time during this series, um, uh, the Corinthian church was placed right in the city of, of, of Corinth, and it was a, it was a city like, like New York City or Las Vegas or Los Angeles, and, and it was right in the middle of, of a metropolis, lots of business, lots of entertainment. There were, there were um, temples to different gods. In fact, there was one temple to, to a god where, where um, there were um, uh, uh, priestesses that, that would uh, have people um, sleep with them, and it was like a... a you know, like a, a prostituting themselves in the temple for, for their, I mean, there's just crazy stuff going on. And um, in fact, um, it, it, the, the Corinth had deserved the reputation for the reckless pursuit of pleasure. There was a term that they used that meant to live like a Corinthian, which meant to be sexually out of control. And that was the city that they're in. And so uh, this city, this church planted right in the middle of this city. Paul planted this church four years prior to this letter that we're reading. And um, what had happened over time is that instead of the church influencing the city, the city was influencing the church. 
And, and so it's a challenge for all of us to say, hey, we've got to be different than the world. We've got to have something that, uh, that is, that's hope and that's change and that's power and, and that is totally different. Uh, you know, would people be, uh, you know, run into you and think, oh, I can't tell anything different about you than, than, than those that are in the world. You know, all you have is like a, have you ever got one of those hello my name is stickers? Uh, you go to like a, I don't know, some sort of a gathering and you put your name on it and and the only thing different between you and the next person is you've got a, you've got a name on yours. You, you rip that off, right? That, that's what we, uh, it's what we do sometimes as Christi- Christians is we've got a hello my name is Christian and you, you rip, we really don't look like anything else except for the label that we've, and I'm not, I'm not shooting that at all of us, but I'm just saying sometimes and, and a lot of, I mean, there's pro- statistics say there's probably like a billion or so Christians on this planet and I'll just say this, I'm not trying to be rude, but uh, I wonder how many of them that call themselves Christians are actually going to go to heaven. I wonder. I mean, that's a lot of people. A billion people? I don't know. And then I read scriptures like, like uh, wide is the gate that leads to destruction and narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. And he says things like this, and few will find it. Few? says many will go down that many means most in the original language most will go down that way few will find it in the man but but everywhere you go uh, I mean you go to Walmart you go to uh, you go to, to all the churches in town you go to your family reunion I'll guarantee you this everybody's a Christian everybody is everyone's a Christian because well my my family was or or you know because I'm Republican right you know I'm Republican and I like guns that means I'm going to heaven right Uh, yeah everyone's switching banks and everything and so this this is an opportunity for us to say okay wait a minute wait a minute let's just hold the phone hold the phone (laughs) like so what is this really all about like wouldn't you want let me just ask let me just ask, wouldn't you want to know? Would you want to know if you thought you were going to heaven? And, and you really were, were not? Would you want to know? Right? Every once in a while, we'll be in here and we'll say, hey, um, if, you, if you were to die today and, and you don't know if you were going to go to heaven, would you just pray this prayer with us? And, we, and it's a serious moment, right? And and we, we talk about that, and we give you an opportunity. We've got Bibles, and we've got all kinds of things. But you know what? Um, how many people hear that? Whether it be in here or other churches or other places, they hear that, they hear those words, and they think, oh, that's not me. Because they absolutely think they're going to heaven. <laughs> absolutely. And I, and, and I think that's the, the, the most dangerous place to be, is to think you're going to heaven I mean because there, how many know and, and like you know we've got Keith and you remember Jen when you guys did Good News Gang and, and you remember some of you and, and uh, you know like Larry and on the, on the mission field and the place like, like have you, you guys have come across people who they know and you know they absolutely are not going to heaven right <laughs> you've ran into people and, and they absolutely say the, the friend you talked about Bruce, this morning, I forget his name, and he absolutely knew he wasn't going. Like, that's like the, uh, to me, that's almost a better place to be, to just, to be clear on the subject. (laughs) 
and to know that there's a choice. But what about those that absolutely believe they're going and they're not? Man, and that's like, and you just can't, the, the beautiful thing about going through a book of the Bible like this is like I can't ignore places. Oh, I could. I could just say, well, you know, this is getting a little bit long of a series, so we're just going to cut it off and go, right? I could, I could. I could. But the thing about, about going through a book of the Bible is it forces me to have to look at passages in the Scripture and say, okay, God, what are, you, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say to me? What are you trying to say to us? I'll tell you what. I have been on my face before God this week. I have paced in the sanctuary. I have, I have driven in silence in my car. I have mowed the lawn quite a bit in prayer, <laughs> saying, oh, God, is there anything in me? Is there anything? I think there's pastors that aren't going to make it to heaven. <laughs> and so that's a, can it just be a sobering, just a place, if any of you know me, if you're a guest with today, I'm sorry, but no, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, but those of you that know me, I am all about the grace of God and it applies beautifully in this message. But his grace doesn't allow us to just tolerate sin. And so this is where we're at. My goodness, off to a great start. Paul, uh, I, I just wanted to qualify this, um, and I'm not going to recap all the weeks um, right now, but 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, uh, after he had written the first chapter, he writes another letter to the church of, in Corinth, and he says this, he says, For I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. Isn't that really cool he says to them? In other words, Paul's coming as a father to this church, and he's, he's like, as he's writing the first, the first letter to the church in Corinth, he's like crying. He is, like he's hurting in his heart because he doesn't want to say uh, things that hurt them. He doesn't want to make them mad at him. And, and, and he's also crying over, over the, the, the sin and the brokenness and the hurt. And he's thinking of this guy that we're going to talk about in a minute. And, and he's just, he's, he's in anguish. How many would... Do you want someone like that to talk to you as opposed to someone that says, you're wrong and you're going to hell, right? The, the, the bull, bullhorn guy on the, on the corner, you, you guys have, have heard of those? Like, that's not Paul. Paul's sitting here saying, I love you so much and I love you so much that, I, that I, I've got to say, I've got to say some hard things. If you remember in week one, we talked about how he starts the, first, the whole the whole letter with the first nine verses saying, this isn't who you really are. Like, like you are amazing. Like, you, there's so much gold in you. You are the apple of his eye. You are, like, you are saints, and, and you are qualified, and you are all of these things. He starts off like that. He's like, but I got to tell you this, and, and this is where we're at. And so the title today is, what are you tolerating? Here's the thought. Tolerating sin of any kind leads to a lack of awareness of sin's destruction, a lack of effectiveness in reaching the world, and eventually a lack of relationship with God. I'm not going to have a, uh, a time today, maybe over the next few weeks, I'm not going to have enough time today to, um, to dive into 
theological conundrums is what we, we call them. You know, like for instance, so if I, if I say the sinner's prayer, am I like, once I'm saved, always saved? Or, or can, I, can I be saved and somewhere down the, the line, like, um, like lose my salvation or give it up, give it back, whatever? I, I'm not going to answer that question for you. Um, but here's, here's the thing that I will say is that theologians have been debating some of these concepts for years. And nobody knows until we get to heaven. Do you know what that tells me? God purposely put some gray area in the Bible because if we knew that answer, is it once saved, always saved, or can I lose it? If we knew the answer, if we knew the line, we would go right up to the line and we would stay there. We'd get as close to the line as possible. And he keeps gray areas in scripture like that so that we focus on relationship with him and not rules. So we could debate and scripture and all this stuff and go back and forth and, and, and that's fine with me at the end of, I mean, I'd probably win. Just joking. But, this, but the truth is, we don't know. This is what I call it. Uh, uh, I wrote a song years ago called Danger Zone. <laughs> but that's really what it is, isn't it? Danger Zone. Where you're, you're in this place and you're like, I don't know. Like, I hope my theology's right. I sure hope it's once saved, always saved, and that when I said the prayer, it counted. I, I sure hope it, I'm not like in the, the, the group that, that thinks they're going to heaven, but they're not. Like I sure hope, it, it would, it would, could we all agree that's the danger zone? Like the place where we want to be, I hope the place where you want to be, the place where I want you to be is I am just passionately in love with God that I'm not even, I mean, I'm not even close to the danger zone. That's why he keeps those gray areas there to force us into deep relationship with him. And so we start off, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and I've barely, barely just introed this. You guys all right? He says this in verse 1. It's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. They're, they're living in the, the most sexually perverse place that you can think of. And he says there's a kind of sexual immorality in your church that even pagans say, that is so wrong. I can't believe you. We're going to that church. <laughs> Seriously. The, the pagans, the heathens... The, he says this, a man is sleeping with his father's wife. In other words, stepmom. And then he goes on to verse 2. He says, and you're proud? Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and, and have put out of your fellowship the man who's been doing this? And so just as a sermon illustration, there's actually a person that I feel like we need to excommunicate. No, I'm just joking. That's not... <laughs> The Passion Translation says it this way. I, I sometimes love reading the Passion Translation because it's like it, it, it sometimes colors it in a little bit. Watch this. It's been widely reported that there is gross sexual immorality among you 
the kind of immorality that is so revolting, it's not even tolerated by the social norms of unbelievers. Are you proud of the fact that one of your men is having sex with his stepmother? Can everyone just say, oh my gosh. I mean, does this like, are we even talking about this? Shouldn't this heartbreaking scandal bring you to your knees in tears? You must remove the offender from among you. Now, some of you are going to read this verse and you're going to think, man, yeah, that should move us to tears. And some of you are going to read that verse and say, what? They kicked somebody out of church? And we've got these, these almost like opposing thoughts and it's all jammed up in this scripture. And what do we do with it? Well, see you later. No, should we, should we, should we talk about it maybe? Revelation chapter 2 um, and starting in verse 18, there was a, there was a church. He, I told you that, that uh, John, uh, Jesus through John wrote letters to seven churches. One of the churches was um, uh, the church of Thyatira. Is it just me? <laughs> or is it, maybe it's the subject, I don't know. I think I put deodorant on. And he wrote to the church in Thyatira, and he was, basically, he was saying that there's some great stuff about this church, but it's, it's, this is a, a letter from the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. He says, I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. In other words, there's some really good stuff about your church, about your community, and you're growing in those things. And yet he says this, lost it nevertheless I have this against you you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet now we gotta stop just just for you to understand there was an Old Testament Jezebel first and second Kings and this probably this lady's name's probably not Jezebel this is probably a description you know like when you were you probably have nicknames for your kids like the comedian or the whatever and so this was this is a bad nickname to have. And, and, and so there was either characteristics of, of that Old Testament Jezebel in her or there was a demonic spirit that was on her, whatever this was. He's saying, he's, he's calling her that. You're tolerating that woman Jezebel, Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into se- sexual immorality and eating, f- eating of food sacrificed to idols. And you're just, you're thinking, no way. This is church. This is the church of Thyatira who's growing in their love and their faith. How in the world? I mean, if someone came into our pulpit and said, hey, I've got a, I, I, I've got a fresh revelation on Scripture. Like, I know for years you have felt like it's wrong to, like, sleep with people that aren't your, your spouse. You've thought for, it's wrong to, like, do some of those things. I'm just here to tell you, like, there's grace. And it's the cross was so powerful that we can actually live the way we want to live. Because do you, you believe how powerful, what, the cross is that powerful? What if someone came into our pulpit and said that? You'd stand up hopefully and leave. 
There had to have been something going on in this church for, for days, weeks, months, maybe even years, to where they finally got to this point where this woman was teaching, and it was, it was just accepted. Oh, and she's actually leading people in, oh my goodness. This is, in other words, it didn't happen overnight. And, and Jesus says this through John. He says, I've given her time to repent of her immorality, but she's unwilling. That's the same thought that we're going to have with this man in 1 Corinthians 5. And then the, the good news in Revelation 2, and I want to say, I need some good news. The good news is Revelation 2, verse 26, to the one who's victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over nations. Say nations. Yeah, there's individuals in this church that if they overcome, they're going to have authority over nations. Nations. And, and they will, you rule them. And he goes on, man, it's just, he says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. I love this because Jesus never just points out what's wrong and leaves us there. He says, hey, there's a way out. Come. To the one who overcomes all of this, this is bad, the one who overcomes, you'll rule nations. I love it. So we go back. There's a heavy emphasis on grace that covers, but there hasn't been an emphasis on grace that empowers. And the, the pendulum sometimes swings and Jude says it this way, Jude was talking in verse 3, he's basically saying, I wanted to come and share some really, like I'm a happy guy and I want to share some happy stuff with you, is what Jude's saying here. He's like, however, you go into verse 4, for certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. This is kind of like what happened in Thyatira. This is what happened in 1 Corinthians 5. Just kind of slipped in over time. They're ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign Lord. Oh my goodness. Silence communicates agreement and grants permission when the leader's silent. So even if we're not like championing the sin when we're silent about it, it, it by our silence, we're saying it's okay. Watch this. Here, here's a... a a, um, oh, and by the way, um, reading 1 Corinthians 5, I got some good resources. Um, killing kryptonite. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'll just tell you what. Like, um, I just got saved last week <laughs> after reading this. No, um, I'm halfway through. And, uh, um, and just so you know, this is John Bevere wrote it. And uh, they're, they're some, of the, some of the grace guys I follow, Chris Hodges, uh, in Birmingham, uh, Robert Morris in Dallas, um, Bill Johnson in Reading. I mean, all of these guys, Jet, Jettison Franklin, I mean, like James Robison. I mean, everybody that you can think of, Craig Rochelle, all of these, these guys, they're saying, um, hey, John Bevere uh, is onto something. And so I thought, man, the, the guys I'm following, um, if they're saying it, then I'll let, I'll let, I'll let John uh, take me to the woodshed. And, uh, and, I, and man, it, there's some really good stuff. So I want you to know, so some of, the, some of the things I've been learning in this book have really been helping with this message, just to give honor to whom honor is due. And there's a great message by Bill Johnson a few years back on, um, on 1 Corinthians 5 and sexual morality in the church. 
Um, but here's this, here's this old Latin proverb. Silence gives consent. He ought to have spoken when he was able to. So what's behind the tolerance? It's one thing, like, we, like, uh, we could say, okay, they were tolerating this. What's behind the tolerance? Why? What's going on here? here it, it's, it's our misguided understanding of what the love of God is. Right? Isn't that why we would tolerate? Because, because like, man, I love that person. Man, if... I just, just wanted to make a point. If, if like, uh, I mean, think of whatever it might be. The building's on fire. Someone's dying of cancer. Whatever the analogy you might think. Like, do we just say, or, or I, I saw a, a video that John Bevere put together of, of a blind man walking towards a cliff. And, and two guys over here, they're saying, like, no, like, like that's, we don't want to, like, like, tell him. Like, like, what if he thinks we're discriminating against blind people? And, I mean, he's, there was a kind of a humorous th- video and like no like it's his choice and 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 we just want to you know and we love says that that you know hey hey you're doing okay you're all right it'll all work out in the end and then you see the blind guy like right off the cliff what do you do that the building's on fire and and we say hey you're gonna be fine you're gonna instead of saying i love you so much to tell you you're going to die it's like the doctor coming and, and giving you the diagnosis. Like, it's cancer. There might be some things we need to do. Surgery, eating right, lots of prayer. Whatever it might be, if you don't address this, and however you need to address, if you don't address this, you will die. And that's what, that's what, we, what we're saying here. What's behind the tolerance is a misguided understanding of God's love. Ephesians 4 talks about this, that, you know, the, the deceitful teaching and the craftiness and scheming and all of this in, in, in the, the church of, of Ephesus. And he says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every, in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. The truth spoken with love. The truth spoken with love. The, the truth um, without love, like just kills. Some of, some of you, you enjoy that part. You're like, man, he's finally preaching like a good sermon today. I've been waiting for that type of message for, like, for three years now. Like, like the truth without love just kills. And then love... Without truth, just keeps people in their in their sin, and and they're on a uh, they're in a path for destruction. And and Paul's saying you got to have both. We got to have truth and love. And so Paul says here in First Corinthians in that verse, he says he talks about why didn't you go into to mourning uh, for for this sin? Why didn't what this man was doing with his stepmom? Why didn't that bring you to your knees in in tears and? Mourning for what? Like crying over what? I, I'd say number one, it's, it's for our own relationship with God. When was the last time that your sin, and if you say that you don't have sin, the Bible says you're a liar and the truth is not in you. By the way, 
later down. When was the last time your sin and my sin brought tears? Or if it wasn't tears, you're like, I just don't cry. What if it was just deep? It was just a, a deep ache that, that you hurt the heart of the Father. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul writing another letter to the Corinthians. In verse 10, he says this, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, no regret but worldly sorrow brings death. In other words, there, there's two sorrows. There's two sorrows. And I was wrestling with this and, and, and listening to John Bevere and listening to Bill Johnson and reading this book and meditating on this, this passage. And I was realizing, man, there are times when the sorrow I have over sin is like, I don't want to get caught. I, what if they find out? What, what, what if, it, like it's more of a, of a, of a self-protection sorrow over sin. It's more of like a, whoops. It's more like, well, the Bible says I shouldn't do that. Man, that's a good idea that the Bible says. But what if it's like, man, I just love him so much. And I just hurt. I just hurt his heart. I just. So he talks about this godly sorrow. And here's the thing. That each and every person, at the sound of my voice, in this room, myself included, like, we've got to, We've got to come to this place where we just say, God, would you increase the intimacy in my heart? Because if there's not godly sorrow over a sin, like there's a, there's a desensitization, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a gap growing, there's, a, there's something, there's a distance. And, and this man in 1 Corinthians 5, it, like he, he's like far gone. Like this is, like, this is extreme. Paul's not talking about a one-off sin. He's not talking about, about some, some mistakes. There's a difference between a mistake and a sin. He's not talking about, like, I messed up or, or like, I shouldn't, like, that was a sin. But, I, but however, you know that this guy that messed up, this guy that's getting ready to be kicked out of the church, do you know what started with a one-off sin? Like, this guy that's sleeping with his stepmother, like, he didn't go from saved to sleeping with his stepmother. He went from saved to a compromise and another compromise and and there was probably some sorrow some godly sorrow and they, and they did it again and he didn't repent and eventually over time it was like well i guess god doesn't really care about that because i haven't gotten in trouble yet and and over time like it just becomes this thing that gets tolerated in his life and so Paul goes extreme on this man, but he also brings it back to us. He's like, he's like, man, I love you so much. Like, I'm not, I'm not, he, uh, Paul's not advocating kick everybody out of the church. <laughs> but this guy was unrepentant, totally to another extreme. Hmm. Part of this going into mourning, it's not only about our own relationship with God, it's it, it was for this man. Like, why weren't you, he's talking to the, this church, why weren't you just like brokenhearted over the situation this man's in? Not just the rules person, but just like the situation, he's sleeping with his stepmom and didn't you, like, weren't you crying over this? Weren't you brokenhearted? Didn't you go to him? Didn't you try? Didn't you, like, why weren't you on your knees for this man? 
In Matthew 25, verse 46 says, Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Thessalonians 1 9. I think it's 1 Thessalonians. I missed that. It says, They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. I mean, there's this place where we should be so brokenhearted over the fact that somebody might miss out on forever, Bruce. Like that word was for us to evaluate ourselves this morning. But man, once you've evaluated yourself and you're like, yeah, I'm good. Like, man, is your heart broken for the people that might miss out? I think the third thing that, that this that this, the crying and the sorrow and, and going out in their heart was for the damage that their tolerance had done to the church body. I think I'm going to do part two next week. This is what was happening in the chapter three. Do you guys remember a few weeks ago that, that he's like, we're a temple. All of us together are a temple so that the presence of God can come and dwell among us. Isn't that just like, Amazing, the part, of the part of the purpose for unity among us is so he can dwell among us as a, as a body. And so he comes a couple of chapters later and he's like, this man is destroying this place. And I absolutely want to dwell among you. That was the extreme part. And I want to, I want to say one thing. Let's see, where, so where was I, where was I at? I, I think the first two verses. So, uh, so I think we've got a couple more to go next week. But can I just bring us to the end of the chapter just so that you're not sitting here wondering about a couple things before, before I leave you? Watch this. Verse 9, he says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or or the greedy and the swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave the world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, or a drunkard or swindler. Don't even eat with such people. We'll go into more depth on that <laughs> next week if anyone comes back. But listen. Listen, he had to clear this up. He had to tell this church, guess what? I'm not talking about like your immoral friends out there that don't claim to be believers. He's like, spend as much time with them as you can. As, I mean, as long as you're strong enough and you're, you know. But he's like, I, I'm not saying like the, the world, those that are practicing sin out there, the world, he's like, you ha- absolutely have to be among them. But if there's someone that calls themselves a believer, is what he says. This is what he says. If there's someone that calls themselves a believer and they are practicing this list of stuff, oh, he's like, don't even eat with them. Why does he say don't eat with them? And some of you are like, this is my first time at this church. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Go on the website. There's lots of other sermons that will help you. Why don't eat with them? Why? Because in that culture, eating with them meant I approve of what you're doing. And our values are the same. So let's bring this here to a close for this week. We'll push pause and come back next week. You know what God's doing in me and what God's doing in you and in in our church? 
is he's given us an opportunity to one first, first say, God, what's going on here? I told my wife maybe yesterday, I just said, hey, I just, man, in studying this chapter, I just need to just go before God and just say, God, is everything okay? Because if you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. Hello. Would you just do me a favor and, and just say, okay, I'm just going to go ask God. If you, if you hear this message and say it's not you, you're probably deceived. Could you just go before the Lord like I did this week and just say, okay, God, is there anything that I've been believing that's not true? Is there anything in my life that I've been tolerating? We'll come back next week and, 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 and fix it. And then two, what am I tolerating in my home? What am I tolerating in this church? I've got some ideas. You know, if, if, if Jesus were to write a letter to our church, he did seven in the book of Revelation. What if he wrote a letter to our church? I have some ideas of what we're tolerating. Is it, is it fair for me to like just like pop it out and, and then say see you next week? Yes, it is. Do you know what we're tolerating in this church? Just Spirit of Life Church. In that church, it was sleeping with your stepmom. I don't know if that's happening here. But in this church, we tolerate gross bitterness and unforgiveness. And we just explain it away and whatever. You know what we tolerate in this church? We tolerate pride in this church. In Spirit of Life Church, we tolerate pride. We just, that's just my personality here. We tolerate gossip and slander. Maybe other churches do too. I don't know. I'm not talking about them because they're my friends. But here, I look at, man, just since I've had the opportunity to be the sage on the stage, I look at it and I just like, you know what? At least those three things. At least those three things we're tolerating if Jesus were writing a letter. And what else? What else among us? You guys know I'm about revival, right? I want, I want the presence. I want, I, want, I want the city saved. I want like, like signs, wonders, and miracles. And do you want to know why he calls this killing kryptonite? Because Superman, just like us, is from a different world. We're not citizens of this world. Where are we citizens of? Heaven. Just like us, Superman was supernaturally empowered. Just like us, he had a mission to, to seek and save the lost. And just like us, there was a little green substance that sucked the power right out of him. For him, it was kryptonite. And for us, it's sin. I don't know how you need to respond today, and we're going to keep going in this chapter next week, and maybe for the next eight weeks, we'll see if the Lord's talking to you personally this morning, could you just say, Pastor Jonathan, I'm going to, who cares what people are thinking? Who cares what it, what it looks like? Would you find a place in this, in this room and just say, for, for once and for all, I'm done. I'm not tolerating this. Would you just say, God, I, I don't remember the last time I've cried about my sin, but would you just say, Lord, would you, would you make it that real to me, God? Would you give me some godly sorrow? Would you, would you help grow my intimacy in you? Would you do that? Would you do that for me? Just ask him.
would you stand this morning as we get ready to to go maybe maybe you need to stay here for a while maybe you need to find a place in the altar in the aisle or your chair just put your hands out in front of you for a minute Lord any any guilt shame and condemnation is from the devil not from you every assignment of guilt shame and condemnation from the enemy that's wanting people to feel less than and 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 they're not worthy and all those things. We just silence that voice of the enemy right now in Jesus' name. But Lord, we release your Holy Spirit to do what you do best. Would you convict? And conviction leads us to you, not away from you. Lord, would you allow your Holy Spirit to shine his mag light into the areas of our heart, and the areas of our homes, and the areas of our church to light up those things that need litting up so that we can be healed and free and be close to you and impact the city around us. Lord, prepare our hearts for part two next week. In Jesus' name, this, this room is an altar. Respond to the Lord this morning.